Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Delta Flyers Journey Through the Wormhole with Quark, Dax, and their good friends, Tom and Harry. Join us as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Your hosts along this journey are Terry Farrell, our favorite science officer, Armin Shimmerman, our favorite entrepreneur, Garrett Wong, our forever ensign, and myself, your favorite helmsman, Robert Duncan McNeil. Today we have Armin Shimmerman with us for Babel. Welcome, Armin. Thank you. Glad to be here. Entrepreneur. That's a very good word. Yes, it's a good word indeed. <laughs> that's was, the same comment I have. I was trying to find the right word. You know, it was, it's it's a positive it, spin. It on. is. It is a very positive spin. It's, the glass is half full on that. The way you said entrepreneur. I, I'm very, I'm impressed, Robbie. I was like, yes. wow, look at him. Yes. Okay. This is so exciting. I feel, I feel now four episodes in or three episodes in that we are however you count the pilot i feel like i'm getting hooked on your show armin yeah very well, good <laughs> yes. good it's it's uh that's very gratifying to hear uh i've heard over the years many people who uh just didn't watch it for whatever reason and just stumbled upon it and said you know this is this is better than i thought it would be yeah um so uh, i'm grateful for that robbie thank you very much i, I i'm serious i'm, I'm very I'm, proud of it i am falling uh i have great affection for the characters already and the relationships are compelling. I will admit, and I said this to Terry, I am Team Bashir right now. <laughs> yes, Sid has got me. I had no idea how funny he was. Oh, Sid's very funny, oh. very dry, and very funny. Yes. Okay, I'm like Robbie. I'm in the same boat as Robbie. I'm. I'm. All I in. love this show. I love yeah. this show. I love the way it's shot. I love the way. I love how quirky. And I'm Team Everybody. I don't have any specific person. I'm Team Cisco. Good I'm Team you. Quark. I'm Team all of the characters which is really rare for me when I watch a show, you know, yeah. any show where I'm like, I'm team all of them. What? All you, the characters? Yeah, I am. You know, you funny, know? Armin. I, well, I was telling Rebecca this last night. I said, these characters, something about the relationships, I think are are stronger and more compelling than our Voyager characters. I, I honestly mean this. Because a lot of times on Voyager, there was a lot of like, conflicts and i know people say you've got a lot of conflicts and drama and darkness on your show but what i see is family and heart and love and humor and positivity i, I actually think your characters are uh if we're scoring if we're keeping score here uh so far more connected than our Voyager characters were at this point in our series i really think that well if i may uh perhaps um, our, our cast tended to be a little bit older than your cast. So mm. there's that. And, and certainly you've touched upon a, a point that I made last time. It is about family. Yeah, uh, It's family in, in many different ways. And we don't really get that uh, in the Berman years so much uh, on the various shows of the Berman years. We see a lot of that in Picard. Family becomes yeah. enormously important. And I think they learned that that was something that was compelling for an audience to watch. So I think yeah. I think you've you've hit upon the the secret to our show. I feel it already, and like I said, a couple episodes, few episodes in, I feel it already. Before we get to our recap, we're going to talk about some birthdays here. We've got some of our uh, our birthdays from our Patreon subscribers. Our first birthday is Jenna Appleton, December thirty first. Happy birthday, Jenna! Happy birthday, Jenna! Happy birthday, Jenna! All right, next up we have none other. Then Mike Goo, 
January 4th. Happy birthday to Mike Goo. Do the goo. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mike. All right. We've watched this episode. We're going to come right back with a recap after this. Okay. Just before we start with our poetry synopsis and before the definition of this title of this episode, I just wanted to say, I forgot to say this in the intro, when we decided to go into DS9, my hope was the one actor I want over anyone else to do this um, recap discussion is Armin Shimmerman. That was always my hope. You're the brains of the operation over there, Armin. You were my intro into Star Trek and oh, Voyager. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you showed me the ropes. You really were my, my Trek mentor in a way. And I, and I feel like I'm going to start crying right now, but I, I don't want to go there. But I just feel that I'm so, so excited. And I guess in the UK, they would say chuffed. I'm so chuffed that you are part of this um, podcast. So thank you. And the fact that we got one other person is icing on the cake is amazing that we have Terry. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind. That's very kind. Jesus. Now I'm chuffed. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. All right. That's all. Well, okay, I'm so. just, I'm thrilled to watch Bashir, Dr. Bashir. <laughs> keep saying it. I love Dr. Bashir. He's funny. Do you know that Sid was a possibility for uh, Cisco? What? Was he really? Mm -hmm. well, how yeah. did the... Uh, Berman no saw idea. him in a movie and thought, oh, that's an actor that we could use for Cisco. But you see, Sid was in makeup uh, when he did the movie. And mm. so when they got a, a headshot, I believe, when they got a headshot of Sid, we all call him Sid. It's Sadig yeah. El Fadil. Yes. Uh, yeah. Or Alexander Sadig now. Yes. That he went, oh, he's much too young for Cisco. But he so liked the performance in the oh. movie that he kept oh, him in mind for Bashir. Wow. Do you know and the fact, name of that film? I'm just curious. I don't know the okay, name I, of that film. Sid would know this, right? He Sid would know certainly it. would know that. Okay. And, and wow. uh, while we're talking about Sid very quickly, yeah, because yeah. I am a Shakespeare scholar, yeah. Sid yes. is Hamlet. Sid is Hamlet. Wow. Really? Here's, here's why. Sid's father was the king of Sudan. Uh, his, his uncle uh, overtook his father's regime um, and, and became the new king of Sudan. Uh, is still the name, he's still the king of Sudan. Wow. But Sid had to vacate uh, his father sent his his son and his wife away to england where his wife was from and so sid avoided all that turmoil and i and ironically the character bashir whether it's coincidence or, or whether it was meant to be this i don't know but the present king of sudan is bashir and so whether oh he's gosh. named after his uncle or not that i don't know wow oh my goodness i had no idea i thought when you started that story it was going to be like oh metaphorically he is no, he, it's Literally. the same story. It's exactly the he, same story. Wow. He was the crown prince of Sudan, is what yes, you're telling me. Yes, and I have met I have met Sudanese with Sid, and and they they bow, they refuse to look in his face because he is royalty to them, especially wow. if they don't like Bashir. King Bashir, they look away. Um, I had a wow. I was at dinner with Sid in Anah once, and there were people that Sid's mom had, had brought to the dinner who were Sudanese, and it was obvious they were in the presence of royalty. Wow, I Man, had no that's idea. That's insane. Yeah, and he and he would never say that. That's just how humble he is. He you know what I'm saying? Sid's never like, do you know who I am? I'm I, the crown he, prince of Sudan. As I understand it, he's been asked once or twice, to would he come back to be the new king? And he said, no, no, I'm wow. not desired. Oh my God. I, I get that. I can't imagine being 
in, in that role anywhere. And you know, he's not the only royal we had in our cast. Who else uh, is royal? royal? Renee. Renee is royal. Renee's what? mom was a princess. Yeah. Of what? Oh my of where? <laughs> uh, she was of a royal family out of Italy. Understand that uh, I, the Italians, uh, I, for many, for centuries, there was no Italy. It was various city states small, that were feudal. All, yeah, kind that, of. That's yeah. And so, one of those states, Renee's maternal side of his family comes from the, the royals wow. in those city states. Robbie, I had no this idea. Is this is insane. This is. I know. This is the kind of stuff that i've known you for 30 years and i had no idea about these these things about your cast that's just incredible. to let you know i'm the son of an immigrant so it doesn't apply to me <laughs> yes i'm i'm the grandson of a watermelon farmer so yeah let's get to our poetry i'm feeling the need for some poetry my limerick was inspired by this story i loved how this virus on the ship kind of made everyone speak in an unusual way. Okay. I'm sort of inspired by that. So right. here, here's my limerick. There's a virus on board DS9 and it's waffled, went topsy and kind, but Joran's fly true under ankle blue, station city breaks, everything is fine. There you go. There's my limerick. That's awesome. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. Thank you. That must have been one of the easier ones to write. By it was. That's what I said. That's what I said. I was like, I don't have to have it make sense. It's going to be just like this, this show. I'm going to say right now, Robbie rejoiced when he realized. Oh, he could... It was genius. <laughs> but it was so genius. I don't want to give my haiku. I don't even want to do it. Just I'm just kidding. It was Rebecca's idea to do the gibberish. She's well, like, oh, you should um, do a limerick and gibberish. I'm like, she... yes. Yeah. And I got to say, just so you know, Armin, in the past... Rebecca has helped out with his normal limericks, and Rebecca is a limerick master. I'm, I'm, I don't know anyone who can pull stuff out of no, out of thin air like Rebecca does. It's, it's yeah. pretty good. This um, so it's a great idea, great idea for, for Rebecca to to have you do that. Yeah. All right. So here, uh, here is my haiku for Babel. Chief's a busy man. Virus spreads. No one makes sense. Cermak, half the cure. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Nice haiku. Bashir did the first half of the cure, right? So, yes. yeah. So that's you great. know what I realized is haikus generally are a lot like this episode. Oh. Kind of gibberish. Kind of, yes. Is it Cermak or Cermak, guys? What's the I doctor's think Cermak. name? Cermak. So I said it okay, hopefully? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, Matthew Faison. Ma uh -huh. What? Oh. The actor's name was Matthew oh. Faison. He used to run a theater here in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, huh. interesting. The only Faison I know is the one on, uh, you know. Uh, Sandy? Uh, Sandy Faison? No, Donald Faison, the actor on. Um, oh, uh, yes. On Clueless. Clueless. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then later, the medical show, the funny medical show with uh, Scrubs. Scrubs. Thank you. Yes. It's like a game show between Robbie and I. When I can't think of something, he'll come up with it for me. Okay. I want to hear the etymology of this title. Yes, let's hear. So it's a very simple definition. Babel, which is the American pronunciation. Babel is the English pronunciation of the word. Okay. Uh, it is a, a scene of confusion uh, or a confused assemblage. The etymology of it comes from the Genesis story of the of the city of Babel that built a tower too high, too close to heaven, and therefore God destroyed it. And when it was destroyed, 
the same thing that happens in this episode happened in the Bible. No one is capable of talking to each other because they're all talking different languages. Got it. That makes sense. That's what I was kind of guessing it had something to do with the biblical story. And I imagine uh, our word that we use all the time, technobabble, uh, is yes. also derived to some extent from the word babble. Hmm. Nice. Okay. okay. Thank you for that. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Our, our teleplay for this episode was uh, by Michael McGreevy and Narain Shankar. They wrote it. The story came from Sally Caves and Ira Stephen Bear. And this episode was directed by Paul Lynch. This is his second episode of ds9 so he did a back-to-back rotation basically on the show wow yeah <laughs> yeah and armin i don't know if i told you but paul lynch is the director that gave me my sag card i mentioned this oh before. yeah on the wow. twilight zone series yeah <laughs> that's so great well i like paul a lot he tended to leave everybody alone let them do their work so yes that's good yeah he made you feel like you were doing good work and he had confidence in you and i like that about him <laughs> Our guest stars are Jack Keller as Jaheel, Matthew Faison, we mentioned, as Sirmak Wren, and Gillespie as Jabara, and Geraldine Farrell as Galus? Gallus? Yeah, great guest cast. But this was really mostly focused on our series regulars this episode. So yeah. it aired January 25th, 1993. Not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago. Uh, oh my scene. god i just feel old thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> why did you say not that long ago twice in a row was that a wanted he wanted to reassure me but the, but the truth is numbers don't lie <laughs> you're a ferengi you know numbers so. yeah all right uh our first scene is in the airlock we see an airlock with the door stuck o'brien's trying to repair this airlock he's very frustrated they've been there for over an hour this team so uh, O'Brien goes to work on some stuff. He talks to his team. And then this alien appears. And I thought this alien looked like a dog. I'm going to call it the dog alien for this episode. <laughs> the, his name's Jaheel. Why, why, why does he look like a dog to you? He's got what fur part? coming down. He looked like <laughs> It's a, a beard. Why would you say that? But it's beard. on his face and everything. People like, have just... beards on their face. I don't... What okay, did you fine. think, Armin? If I... Yes, thank you for asking. All I can tell you is what I assume and i and yeah. some of it is based on knowledge yeah. which is that mike westmore who designed all these makeups yes. uh had if you guys remember on his, in his office he had several insect books and several animal books for inspiration yes and, yes. and he would go to those books and look for inspiration indeed mm. and so it's very possible robbie that he was looking at dogs when uh he created i think he was makeup. I think he was. It, I just, I'm going to call him the dog alien. It, it, it's not disparaging. I love dogs, but it looks like with the fur on the face or something like that. Anyway, his name's Jaheel. He shows up, tells O'Brien he wants his antimatter flow converter fixed. You can tell already that O'Brien is overwhelmed. And then he gets a call from Dax to join him in the lab. And uh, that's the end of that first scene. The impression I was left with was there's a dog alien on this. That That's the biggest thing. <laughs> I love it. And I would add to that a short dog alien. At least okay. compared short, okay. to uh, to Cullum. Yes. I, I, for me, it was a he was a hairy alien. That's it. I got I, I didn't get dog, but that's that's fine. And as one actor to other actors, uh, I felt badly for him because yeah. uh in the editing they 
a lot of that first scene is just the back of his head, yeah. oh, which yeah. is a ton of hair. And, and I thought, really, they couldn't give him a little coverage, a little bit more coverage. They gave him yeah. some, but but not sufficient. I mean, he is the, one of the guest stars. They should give yeah. him a little yeah. bit more. They should, and yes. to showcase the makeup job, too, right? So It's funny you mentioned that. I forgot about that, but I had the same feeling. Like, why are they avoiding this actor? I thought yeah. maybe it was story-wise, but it didn't turn out to be any any story no at first i even thought that maybe he was looped but i second watching i watched real carefully and i went no that that's he's not looped he's so i thought maybe that's why they avoided his face but he wasn't looped well we go from overwhelmed o'brien and dog alien demanding some service <laughs> to outside of the lab where dax had called him he's walking down the hall but dax isn't in the lab she's out in the hallway and he's confused why she's outside and she says, look, and then she goes to open the door to the lab. And as he enters, it is this high-pitched noise, a horrible sound. And yeah. he thinks he can fix it really quick. He goes in, does a little something, and it does. It goes away. But then <laughs> after he's sort of smugly sort of, you know, uh, happy with himself for fixing it so easily, the lights go off. So everything is is a mess and he's got, you know, a lot of work to do. Have we been in the lab before this point? This may be the first time in the lab. Am I right? Maybe. I, I feel like... I, I have no memory of there being any other scenes in something called the lab. See, that's the what lab. I was going to say. I mean, this is like a, such an obscure location. Like we didn't see it in the pilot. I don't think we ever see it again. I don't episode. think so. Uh, so, in fact, it didn't even occur to me. I, I just thought it might have been her living quarters. But I, but I'm, I'm surprised when you say it's the lab because yeah, that I went know. over my head. Yeah. Yeah, it would have made it would have made more sense just to say, hey, yeah. can you come down to my quarters? I got yeah. a problem. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we go to ops next. Yeah. And Ops has all kinds of problems, too. Things are broken. Kira's very upset. I was delighted that they changed Kira's hairdo. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. That's the hairdo that basically she had for the rest of the show. No nonsense. And that's her natural hair, right? Yes, yes. That's styled, but it's her natural hair. She's not wearing a wig or anything. No, I think there are lots of wigs, but I don't, I'm, unless yeah. I'm very much mistaken, I don't think uh, Nanai ever wore a wig. Yeah. yeah. And about yeah. this time, by the way, is when we started calling her Nana, as opposed to Nana. Right. The incorrect oh. pronunciation. Yeah. N yeah. Nana is somebody's grandmother. Nana is her name. Avery Books asked her, how do you want it pronounced? And she said, well, my grandmother called me, uh, called me Nana and uh, Nana, excuse me. And uh, so after that, thanks to Mr. Brooks, uh, we all called her Nana. Wow. I I didn't know you ever called her anything but Nana. So when we first great. met her, it was Nana. Nana Visitor. Nana Visitor. Wow. Nana Visitor. Yeah. I bet I I bet I would have assumed that when I first saw her name. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the natural assumption. Yeah, the sure. natural assumption. Mm -hmm. Well, Miles is working. Kira's upset. He I love how he pops up behind a below <laughs> yeah. console. Like he's like coming out of his coffin or something, or something as yeah, well. Yeah, right? <laughs> it was a great it was a great I love those kind of comedic that kind of staging when yeah, things like that cool. just pop into frame. Yeah. And then Cisco replicates some coffee and he thinks it's disgusting and asks Miles why he hasn't fixed the replicators yet. And uh O'Brien has a kind of a sarcastic response uh yeah. where he says 
He says, you're absolutely right, sir. I knew I'd forgotten something. Can't have the operations chief sitting around daydreaming when there's work to be done, can we? I'll get right on it. Yeah. It's great reading of that line. So sarcastic. Not the first, but one of the many examples of what a phenomenal actor Columini is. Oh, yeah. Cullum is so easy with what he's doing, so inventive, so real, so so down to earth, strange for a Star Trek show. It is exemplary of the incredible talent that that man has. I, yeah. I was always in awe of his performances and his ability to memorize lines uh, really? is extraordinary. Uh, he, wow. he memorizes them in a, in a matter of a minute or two. What? Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. Maybe he has a photographic memory or something. Maybe. I, I don't know. He and Sid both uh, had an extraordinary ability to memorize very quickly. Oh, wow. wow. Not me. No. Did not, not me. No, not you. God. Going to hammer that in. Oh, my goodness. Well, we go to an access tunnel next where O'Brien's working inside what looks like a Jeffrey's Tubes type tunnel. He's laying on his back, repairing the rep replicator, you know, kind of mumbling to himself. And then we cut outside of that Jeffrey's tube and he comes out, punches the replicate, uh, the replicator panel a little, there's an energy discharge. And then it seems to be back to normal. I just want to say while he's in that yeah. access tunnel, his, his monologue, he's, he goes, he goes, fix the replicators chief. And then he does that falsetto female voice. He goes, my console's offline chief. And I, I was thinking <laughs> if I did that on Voyager, they would have said, cut, that's way too much. You can't, you can't add that much to it. And yeah, they I had us loved... being very stiff and oh, formal. God. They yeah. kept drilling I, that into us. It was delightful watching uh, Colin Meany do, uh, go yeah. through this thing, you know. And he walked great. the fine line uh, between it being too much and being right on. Wow, and, uh, he yeah. did, didn't and he? And it's a tribute to Colin's yeah. uh, uh, talent. Yeah, he's yeah. a genius. He really yeah. is. Yeah. Well, he makes a little coffee. You know, the replicator's working again. Tastes just right to him. And then uh, he walks away and we cut back inside the replicator, that tube, that Jeffrey's tube. And the camera has a great move. I love I that's love a great camera move. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love shots inside Jeffrey's tubes <laughs> on all Star Trek shows because yeah. they're just, they feel so sci-fi. I just loved it. And the camera yeah. move was great. It reveals this li little hidden device sort of wired in. Yes. Yeah. It's blinking. Like it but it looks like it gets activated right at that moment. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that what you, what you yes. got from that scene? Yeah, it looks right. like it turns on here. I mean, right after he fixes it, it turns on. So To start doing whatever it's supposed to do, but mm -hmm. clearly it's sort of hidden. Yeah. And it's it looks like a bomb to me. It looks like, you know, the classic when you put the C4 under the, the thing or, you know, mm -hmm. and the red light starts blinking. It felt in that sort of trope, like, uh-oh, this is a bomb something bad it also kind of looks like that thing those splitters that you used to split um cable signals from you had a little you could you oh, take your the main box one. at home well kind of i mean you can take your your main wire and you plug it into this splitter and then you'd have two wires that come out yeah and I know that because in college, that's how um, we stole cable from the people. <laughs> so everybody shared one account. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone shared that one account. There you go. Yeah. I watched that scene and, and all the things that you said are absolutely true and kudos to uh, they're doing it. But what is a replicator doing in the hallway of living quarters? Because it was obviously living quarters. And I thought, 
Why is there a replicator in that hallway? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. Um, None whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, they had that set and they decided to put the replicator there. It, It just doesn't make any sense for a replicator to be where it was. We could do an episode on replicators because I have some questions about where the food comes from. Yeah. And what happens with the poop. And I'll just leave it at that. But- Replicators also manufacture, you know, tools or other things as well. So maybe, I'm not trying to, you've got a great point, but maybe that was for tools or other things. In living quarters? It just doesn't make sense. But he makes coffee in it. You're right. No, that's a food replicator. There are quarters that have uh, replicators. Not to be outside as though it was a water fountain in a hallway. (laughs) You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> oh my god! Um, just to rewind a little bit, when Cisco takes a sip of that coffee, it's in ops, correct? He's in ops. Right. Yeah, yeah, he's so, in ops. So Robbie, they have a replicator on the bridge. That's my point. I mean, Robbie and I are amazed. They've got the transport. They've got a transporter on the bridge. They've got the they've got the replicator on the bridge. There's so many. It's all you don't there. need to go anywhere. You know what? Yeah, you, it's on it's your on your ops station. Oh my god! You don't need to go anywhere. You got food. You got the elevator. You got yeah. ah yes, and we had a working elevator. Yes, an elevator yeah. that actually, actually worked, went somewhere. Indeed, went somewhere. Now it made a hell of a lot of noise. Yeah, but, uh, but it actually did go somewhere was it a hydraulic was there like an a motor on it i, I don't know how it worked but you took your life in your hands when you got in the elevator. <laughs> i agree <laughs> one of the episodes we talked about with terry yeah the whole group of bajorans, bajorans like steps on 12 it, of like, them get on this thing yeah. uh, it felt like way too many people like yeah. isn't there an occupancy max or something <laughs> on this thing max occupancy and it's built by you know Hollywood construction guys. Exactly. This is not not like, you know. And the the sound that it made when it operated, you thought, oh my God, it's going to break down or I'm going to be stuck in the middle of something. Was it that loud? It it wasn't that loud, but it was loud enough when you were inside of it. You thought, okay, here we go. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Wow. All right, we go to Quark's next. Quark's is empty. Nobody's there. That's so weird to see it that way, by the way. I know. It was very weird. And Quark, did not like it one bit. Odo and Quark basically have a conversation where they just complain about each other. And <laughs> there is one customer over there who's eating and he's disgusted by the food and he calls Quark over. Quark, he forces Quark to eat this food. He's a bully. This he this is. guy was a bully. And I- Odo comes over and saves Quark, basically makes him stop. He's like, I'm going to, you know, you want to deal with me? But he doesn't save him right away, by no, the way. No, he doesn't. Yeah. He lets you, he lets you <laughs> he take lets another, second another time. mouthful, yeah. right? Good oh. friend. Good yeah. friend Odo allows yeah. me to be have food shoved down my mouth one more time. No, I think he enjoyed that secretly, yeah. seeing you do that one more time. Your thoughts about this scene? It's indicative of the Quark-Odo relationship. Yeah. Uh, the two of them sitting there just carping at each other. Uh, we, we're going to do that for the next seven years. But you can already sense the uh, reciprocity between the two characters. You Absolutely. can sense that there's something more than antipathy between them. And otherwise, why would Odo be there? Yeah. Why would he take time? He says he's on a mission to do something, and yet he stops by to have a chat with Quark. Yeah. There, there is a, a friendship there that will grow and blossom and become, in my opinion, one of the highlights of the show. 
Yeah. What I love about those two characters is they're burying the subtext totally all the time. Yeah. They're talking about one thing, but you know, underneath it, they're meaning something else. And And this may be a, a, I can't remember so many years ago, this may have been a scene that Renee and I rehearsed at my house on the weekend. Mm. Uh, So indeed, we may have been talking about subtext at that time and, and how to get around it. Or, or to, to indicate it, actually. Yeah. I know we'll talk about this more in the podcast, but I've heard about your rehearsals at your house that you invited actors over and a lot of them. Well, we heard about the it. Frankie rehearsals. We didn't hear that you invited, you know, uh, Renee, Renee was the, as well. Renee was the primary that. other person besides the Ferengi gotcha. who would come over but only in the first year or so, maybe the second year, but but mostly in the first year because we were both theater actors and we both wanted to rehearse. I love it. Good for you. I love it. Yeah, because there's not time on a set when the clock is ticking and there's lots of work to do. There's not time to dig into these scenes deeply. You just get it on its feet and start setting up the lights and go, go, go. So This scene was really uncomfortable for me to watch. It was triggering for me because of the bullying. Because it, it just, it yeah, you know, it just harkened back to my own experiences. And it just, I... It was hard for me to watch. I really wanted to. I didn't reach, like watching I wanted to you reach get through, bullied. No, Thank I wanted you. to reach through that screen and punch that guy for you. <laughs> I was so upset. And then at the end, Odo, but what was he doing the Vulcan neck pinch at the he end? He sure looks like that. It, yeah. yeah. And it almost looked like he was testing it. It didn't work as well. And then at one point he finds the right point. And then that, that makes that guy, uh, the alien yeah. back off. Yeah. Uh, his name is Assoff. Mm-hmm. I thought his name should be <laughs> basically. Um, but anyway, that's, there we go. Yeah. Well, Odo gets rid of him and Quark uh, says, you know, he really needs these replicators repaired and Odo leaves. And then Quark goes over, asks the computer to pull up a, a layout of the replicators that have already Which it been- doesn't do. No? Which it doesn't do. If you oh. look at the screen, it doesn't change. He oh, no. asks for something. It's it the- doesn't change. Oh, I think no. I think Quark <laughs> says thank you or so acknowledges the change that never occurs. That never her- occurs. Oh God. I wonder because sometimes they would shoot those scenes and they'd say, Oh, this is going to be a burn-in. Yeah. And CGI so as an actor, later. you go, Oh, they're going to do something in post-production. So I, don't I have, have to, to worry pretend. about it. Yeah, I don't have to worry about it. But maybe they just ran out of money or they just said, Hey, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so quick. Nobody's going to notice. Exactly. We'll save a few hundred bucks or whatever. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's frustrating. Wow. Wow. Well, he huh. does ask for the layout. I, I didn't notice that. Yeah, but, it didn't, I didn't catch it either. But so. you played as if you got the layout of where the replicators were that were repaired. So we know you're going to... Yeah. I, I, I was you you played it so well, no, but no, no one noticed it didn't change. Is that what That's I'm going to say? There you go. That's acting, That's acting for you. <laughs> you also, uh, it asked for a security clearance. Ah, and you yes. pull out these keys, which I've never what, seen. What, what are those? A, yes. What the, master key? What is that? It is obviously stuff that Quark has stolen yes. and, and keeps in a fairly <laughs> secret place. I don't know how secret it was, but yeah. and uh, he uses it to bypass security protocols. Oh I see. God. Okay. I love that. Again, indicative of the fact that if you haven't watched the first couple of episodes, that, uh, that, that he is... Uh, he is indeed a thief or he is he works around the rules of the station uh and he has his ways he has his ways yeah not all of them legal and this certainly not legal yeah well that was a cool (laughs) that was a cool idea to pull out these little keys you put a couple of them in there did you do that again in the show or do you remember yes 
That's something I, uh, that was like a runner. I have in one of these drawers. I have. Um, I you have, have one of those one, props. One of those things. Oh, oh good. So for I must you. have done it more than once. I, uh, when I saw it, I thought, oh, I think I did that several times. It was again to bypass uh, security yeah. protocols. Yeah. Next, we go to ops. Miles is back in ops, repairing that replicator for Cisco, and he's kind of sweating at the top of the scenes at this point i thought oh he's just tired he's overworked and he's exhausted he fixes the replicator and then as he starts to talk a little more he starts to misspeak when he's talking to cisco so we know something's up cisco says uh, jake tells me that mrs o'brien's a wonderful teacher and o'brien says well that's nice to hear sir she's flower units about the lad herself <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> and cisco goes I'm sorry, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> O'Brien clearly knows he misspoke. I don't think he knows that or not. I don't think he I does. think he does, but he doesn't acknowledge it. He just he doesn't know why it happened, but it's but, a brief little misspeak. And then... But he's able to correct himself? Wouldn't he, he already... Corrects, That's weird. He corrects himself because he continues. Okay. You know, uh, yeah. Cisco says, what's that you just said? And O'Brien responds, well, she's quite fond of, of the lad herself, sir. So yeah. he corrects. He goes back to normal speech, but it's a little... It's a little short circuiting that happens for a moment, which yeah, I but but played nicely. But then later on, everyone, no one does that where they go back to normal again. The minute they start yeah. doing random speech, they're they're gone. They're over the yeah. side of the cliff, right? This is the so danger that's... about sci-fi shows. Yes. Like you're, you're world building, right? So yeah. as soon as you build a world or build a rule, yeah, it's hard to stay consistent. It know? is. It is. It's it's like the replicator in the hallway. <laughs> You're saying the food replicators are in quarters, then don't put it in a hallway. But yeah, okay. We go to the promenade next. Dax and Kira are walking down the promenade. They're getting lots of male attention in this walk they're taking. Yeah. Dax comments about how she forgot what it's like to be a female, but she kind of likes it. Dax, she thinks it's fun for now, mm -hmm. harmless. Um, as they approach Quark's Quark comes out he invites them into a celebration party for these magically repaired replicators he has now <laughs> hmm. um kira's passes she says no thanks but dax agrees and i love your victory smile at the end there armin you've got this yes you've got the the new pretty girl that everybody's giving attention to and one of the main people who are now in charge as well so it's yeah. good to have an in with the higher-ups there you go yeah yeah and the constant antipathy from kira is obvious and evident yes oh. yeah this is uh this was an interesting scene to me because i had forgotten you know uh, you just accept terry farrell is is dax is that but it's great to be reminded, especially early in the series, that she has a symbiont inside, that she has had other lives and things like that. So I really like, I like this scene. It was fun. And a great button at the end again with your, uh, thank you, your fist pump or whatever. It was, a, it was a big smile. It wasn't that, that big, but it was great. Lots of teeth. Lots of <laughs> teeth. How did you eat with the teeth? Like you took the that, teeth out. That's what you did in, in real life. <laughs> but what if you had to eat in a scene? What would you do? Yeah, it was difficult. messy. Difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. messy. Yeah. It, it was messy. Um, but I was always grateful that I didn't have Renee's makeup because his makeup came down to his lips, and every time he ate, the makeup would come up. Oh, Jesus. so. Uh, uh, ah. For many reasons, I was grateful for the teeth and, and that my makeup didn't come down that far. 
How long was the total uh, makeup ap application time oh for you? Oh my God, you're not going to ask that question. I want to know that. I don't know it. I'm a, I'm a, a fan now, so I, I need to. I know you've answered five. I walk on times. stage and I say two hours. Two, I don't two even. Hours, I, okay. I don't even introduce myself. <laughs> I just go two hours. Um, two hours. Yeah, two hours. Garrett. And Renee also two hours or longer? A little less. Oh, uh, I don't know exactly, uh, but I, certainly I would arrive earlier than he would. So, um, wow, and we would be finished about the same time. So, um, huh. okay. I, I, I don't know exactly. Um, yeah. And whenever I hear Michael Dorn complain about his makeup, I just roll my eyes. <laughs> I think uh, Michael's down to like twenty-five minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah <laughs> I think at the most it's forty minutes. Yeah. I think it's forty minutes. Anyway, that's for a later season. Yes. All right. Well, we go back to ops. And Miles is now slurring his words. You know, the little <laughs> short circuit has uh, expanded. Um, it's gotten much worse. He's exhausted. Kira makes a joke uh, in this scene. A really ugly joke for a man who's really tired. Yes. Uh, you, know, you know, sort of giving him uh, uh, more angst than he needs. That's, uh, to me, that's really, really ugly of Kira. Yes. Yeah, she's like, "Oh, there's more work for you to do." <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, it was a little it was a little rough. What I noticed at the end, he's slurring his speech a lot. Clearly, yeah. this man has some issue going on. Yeah. And as he runs out of off out of ops, everyone just stands there looking at each other. And I was like, "Isn't everybody going to go help him? Stop him? Like yeah. stop him? Like uh, or, or call?" Like even in their close-ups after he left, yeah. they just stood there as opposed to exiting the close-up or, you know, Cisco to to, uh, you know, Bashir. We have I, I don't. I don't want to fault Paul Lynch, but there are too many of those in this episode. Yeah, there's too many reaction shots at the end of a scene where people just look at each other because they have nothing else to do. The script mm -hmm. has ended. The scene. The words have ended, and there's nothing to do. Um, they. Paul could have done a better job, I think, of figuring out what happens when the written word was over. Yeah. Where are you yeah. going next? What's the next? Yeah, there's action here. You've got to take care of business. Yeah, yeah that, I, that I, bumped me a little at the end of the scene. Uh, yeah. Instead of having the reaction shots, I would have followed O'Brien out. You know what I'm saying? Just having his just follow him. He runs out the entire time and not have a reaction shot of it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Just finish on him as he's going uh, down down in the elevator or something that that one bumped me a little because i was like yeah. they would do something and yeah. especially the extras there were a couple of extras that were in front of he was getting on the elevator background and the extras, background yeah, the, people not background extras. Yeah, background. background performers i know i'm yeah. i'm old school yeah there were a, a couple of background performers that were standing at a console five feet away as he goes down the elevator and they they're, just sort of looked at each looking, other they're not even doing any yeah it's like okay yeah yeah yeah, anyway. somebody should have been coordinating, choreographing the yes. um, what was happening after the words were over. Like that last two lines there is O'Brien going, when? Question mark. And he's running off when he's saying when, right? But the, when we watch this episode, it's from Kira's perspective, pretty much, when he's running away. And then it goes to her when she says, chief, and it stays on her. But if he, if the camera was set on him as he's running out of the room, he's running towards camera and he's like, when he runs off frame and then she's chasing after him, chief, that would have been way better. Yeah, that would have been more energy and more appropriate for the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next scene. We'll go to the infirmary next. O'Brien is having his eyesight checked, maybe at the top. <laughs> Um, he's examining Miles, and it appears Bashir, the doctor says, it appears he has aphasia. Um, his auditory function is impaired. 
but his thinking still works is how Bashir describes it. He's checking his hearing as well. He puts on these headphones, it looks like. What was that? I, 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 I think what that is, is to check for the electrical responses in the brain. I okay. Think. When I saw that, that's what that said to me. Okay. It was a cool prop. It was a very cool prop, but it kind of looked like- Headphones. Cool headphones you'd get yeah. from- you know, sharper image or something. <laughs> yeah, it's a sharper image. <laughs> might have been. Might have been from sharper might have been. Or something put out by Bang and Olufsen, you know, that very, yeah, very... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. O'Brien tries to write his message in the scene, but the message he writes is flame, the dark, true, salt, way, link, complete strike. It's, 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 it's still it's a gibberish. gibberish. <laughs> it would make for a good limerick, actually. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Yes, it's very poetic what he writes. <laughs> yeah, I can see O'Brien's a poet. I, he's he's an Irishman. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. He's, got, he's got some poetry. <laughs> in. Yes, at the very end, O'Brien, in his frustration about trying to communicate, he yells his last line with uh, with Bashir and Kira in the foreground. And this, I I give Paul Lynch, uh, you know, two thumbs up for this because the comedy of of O'Brien in the background out of focus yelling his victory strikes limit frosted wakes simple hesitation yeah he's yelling in the background as bashir and kira are looking at each other that was a nice button on the scene good you scene. know what i feel like this these all these o'brien anyone speaking the gibberish this must have been difficult to remember remember oh, these yeah. lines because there's nothing that there's no through line there's no there's no logic to any of this this is no. probably the most difficult episode for all the actors to get their lines down other than that armin because he never got affected so what I hear you saying, Garrett, is my limerick yes. today with its gibberish was maybe the hardest limerick <laughs> I've ever done. I'm not going to go that I far. I agree with you. I agree with you. Okay. I just want to point out, as you said about uh, O'Brien being out of focus in the back, Paul yeah. liked to do this all through the episode. Yeah. He would focus on two, three people, and then there would be a, a another person in the background out of focus. This happened yeah quite often in this episode. And I yeah. thought this was something he was interested in doing or yeah. something that, you know, Marvin was interested in doing. Who yeah, was yeah, the maybe. DP at the time? The other time that I can think of is uh, Bashir calling to his nurse and the nurse is completely blurred out in the background answering him with lines. So yeah, you're right. Do you like that? I'm curious because I like that. I like that style where where you stack the frame with multiple pieces of information and and the focus, the camera focus is on kind of the point of view of the scene, even though there might be important information in the background. The the the, the point of view narratively is in focus, but the, the frame is filled with other things. Do you like that? I I like it, but I do have a problem with it. And the problem is an actor's problem. Yeah. Uh, Anne Gillespie played the nurse. Mm -hmm. And she had relatively little to do in this show. She had relatively- She was good, though. I liked She her. was good, yes. Yeah. Uh, but- one of the few times that she was on camera, she's out of focus. It's like we talked about the captain in the opening scene. We're getting the back of his head. We're not seeing his mm -hmm. face. I, as an actor, feel for the actors who are not yeah. getting the focus that perhaps they deserve, especially they have less to do in this episode than the series regulars. Yeah, so yeah. give them some camera time, you know? Let, yeah. let them let them be seen. It isn't just about collecting a paycheck. It's, it's about trying to show what you can do as an actor. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I think about, that. is it Anne? Anne Gillespie? Is that her Anne name? Gillespie, yeah. yeah. Think about Anne Gillespie's agent or manager saying, hey, can we get a couple of clips of you from DS9? And she's filmed like <laughs> these few episodes. Yes, I have my dialogue, but I'm completely out of focus. So yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Well, now I feel bad because I've done that a lot as a director. <laughs> there you go, Robbie. <laughs> Those <laughs> reels suck now. Because I mean, you, you can do it to the series regulars. They, they've got plenty of camera time. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But, but for the day players, you know, be a little calm. Be yeah, be a little yeah. nicer, Rob. I hear you. Okay, good. good. Noted. Noted. Yay. Okay, we go to Ops next, and the team is sitting at this briefing table, which is right in the middle of Ops. Again, they've got a replicator, <laughs> they've got an elevator, they've got a transport pad, and they've got a briefing, briefing room, right room table. There. It's awesome. Right there. <laughs> but there's but no privacy, though. That's yeah. the one thing I was thinking, like, okay, now all the lower deckers, everyone around you gets to hear your private, you know, your conversation. Yeah. That that to me was, uh, that's what I didn't like about that. That's Maybe his, is his office close to that ops room? Yes, yes. It's right up the steps. So okay, he could so have he, the meeting up there then if he wanted to. Yes, he could. Yes. Okay. It, it depends on the director and the DP of where they're going to set the scene. But uh, yes, he could. And a lot of times the private conversations are in the office, in Cisco's okay. office. Okay. Well, they're all sitting around this briefing table trying to solve this mystery of what's going on with O'Brien. There's no head injury. Um, Cisco thinks maybe if we retrace all of his steps, we can figure it out. So he assigns Dax to O'Brien's duties to take over for O'Brien would normally do. And as she responds, she starts to slur and talk gibberish too. And she's aware of it. You can see that when that happens. I like how she played that too. You know what I'm saying? You, you could see that it's, it's, she's, got the realization that it's hitting her and then boom, yeah. she's gone you know yeah she says i'm sorry benjamin she's realizing it. i'm sorry benjamin mm -hmm. i'm unable to foolish assembled regal controlled, controlled weather, weather. <laughs> yep she's got it she has it she's got it too <laughs> uh we go to the infirmary next and bashir is explaining to cisco that he ran this full synaptic comparison and he's at this point figured out there is a virus in both of them, in O'Brien and Dax, they both have this virus. We're just figuring out about the virus when two more crew members walk in speaking gibberish and they're frazzled. They're kind of freaking out. In fact, I, I noticed the crew woman, she had like a big clump of hair in the middle of her head. And I felt bad. I felt like sometimes hair and makeup departments will do things that are just so on the nose. And you're like, why did you do that to that poor woman? Like she can act frazzled. You don't need to pull a clump of hair <laughs> to, to show, to indicate that this crew member is frazzled. Just let her look like a normal person. So Precisely. Precisely. Let the actor act. Let the actor act. Yeah. I found that. That clump of hair very distracting, and I felt bad for the actor. If I'm ever frazzled with something that you're saying in this podcast, I'm just going to pull my hair right down yeah. the middle. And then and I'll you're know. know. You'll yeah, know. That's, then I'll know. That's okay. how you know. <laughs> and <laughs> speaking about not being frazzled, yeah. uh, I felt I great empathy for Sadig because in this episode, he has nothing but medical techno babble. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. We, yes. were, we were talking about memorizing lines, and yeah. luckily he is, a, he is he's good he's at it. some rare gene about being able to memorize. <laughs> the stuff that came out of his mouth was just as aphasic as some of the things coming out of the patients. <laughs> exactly. yes. I, I, yes. I mean, the science was like everywhere. I'm going, oh, how yeah. did you memorize all that yeah. stuff? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. I think the actors they cast for doctors have to be good with that. Like Bob Picardo was equally yeah. very good with the techno babble. John Billingsley, really good. John with Billingsley. Yeah. 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 
thank God I was not a doctor. I was a nurse though on our show. Yes, so, I, yes. but I would, that's why I was stayed part-time, a nurse, part-time nurse, not part-time not nurse. Full-time. Cause I could not say all the medical stuff. Anyway, we go to quarks next. Odo comes out of his office to an empty promenade at the top of the scene, yeah. but a very noisy bar. And Odo enters the bar. He and he and Quark basically argue in this scene about the place being open. Bicker. 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 Exactly. We are like the that. Bickersons. We are the Bickersons. The Bickersons. I love it. Uh, Odo wants this place shut down during quarantine. And uh, <laughs> Quark wants to keep it open for, you know, lots Essential of reasons. Essential, Essential reasons. Yes. <laughs> By essentially, the way, a... he needs to make a profit, essentially. He needs to make a profit. <laughs> I have a question about quarks. I've never thought this before, but in this scene, the stained glass that's mm. in there, it reminded me of that famous cathedral in Spain. And I can't think of the name of it, but there's a cathedral with the the kind of abstract colors. I wonder if the production designer, and I can't, it's a very famous cathedral in space. The Sacra out. is, it's in Barcelona, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's Sacra. I've been there. Uh, Sacra something. Yes. And you know the glass I'm talking about? It's mm-hmm. it's kind of abstract shapes and 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 kind yes. of overlapping stuff. Yeah. Um this I just had an image. I wonder if the production designer was it Herman? Is that who did this? Herman was Herman Zimmerman was the designer. So yeah. one would assume that it was his idea. But uh yeah, I I remember that uh piece of uh, scenery. It's, it's in beautiful. my dream sometimes. It's quite beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Interesting. I wondered where that inspiration came from. Certainly not from Westmore's books of, 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 <laughs> of animals and insects. <laughs> a lot of times when, when designers are designing like quarks or whatever, they might look at books of cathedrals or something like that to get inspired. So I bet he could have done that with this. He could have been the cathedral as an inspiration. Anyway, It's possible. You have yeah. to ask Herman. Yeah. Odo wants to know how um, how Quark has all this food when the replicators are broken. And Quark says, well, fortunately, my assistant, Rom, was yeah, able my to assistant, fix- My assistant, Rom. <laughs> not, my assistant, not my brother. Not my brother. <laughs> my assistant. Uh, and I, I wondered, uh, and I have to go back and look at the intervening episodes. How long did it take for us to actually admit that Rom is Quark's brother? <laughs> Um, I feel like I, we've, I think we've, we've already talked it. about it. So, yeah. But I, I don't know if it's been said on the episodes that I've seen so far. Oh, no. Don't you my say uh, my, my, my brother's kid. This is my. my yeah. yeah. I th- but do we did we say Rom and my brother's kid in the same together? sense? Do you no. know that? Rom- I don't oh, think so. No, I don't. Think I don't so. think so. I think you're no. right. I don't think you've actually had a scene where you, yeah. the two of you have or either of you have referenced specifically Quark or Rom. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Could, that could have been anything. Instead of fortunately my assistant Rom, it could have fortunately my indentured servant Rom, fortunately my slave Rom, fortunately yes. my valet, my butler Rom, you could have thrown anything in there. And and in a moment, uh one of the epithets that I used for 7 years, I think is mentioned for the first time about Rom. Uh, really? I'll let you finish and then I'll bring it up if you don't. Yeah, I think that's all I had for that scene. Is it in this scene? That yeah. He... yeah, it's in this oh, scene. Oh, what do you say? It is? So uh, this is where Odo turns to Quark and says, your brother, your brother, your brother's an idiot. And uh, and I said, yes, he's an idiot. He doesn't say your brother. He says Ram. Ram is an idiot. Uh, and yes, I said, yes, he's an idiot. Now, for the next seven years, um, I would say, Ram, you idiot. 
rum, you idiot. Oh, wow. Um, and, and I'm wondering if that in this episode is the is, first time that epithet is used yeah. uh, for the relationship between the two brothers. It's the first time I've heard it. It's definitely the first time I've heard it coming from uh, Odo, though. Yeah, right. Yes, but it's, but it's amazing. It comes it, from Odo. It comes first. from Odo first, exactly. Yeah. And you latch onto that, and that becomes your 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 wow. vocabulary yeah, that you I can't, use. <laughs> as we go through these programs, you'll see how many thousands of times I yeah. call him. You wow! Oh yeah. And that was all scripted, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yes, of course. right. <laughs> wow. Adlib? We, we never heard of Adlib. That's no. aphasia. Adlib is aphasia. Okay. Max is like, can you please not Adlib calling me an idiot every time? Please. Yeah. He's actually written one of the songs, you know, for the Rat Pack. Yeah, where, yeah. Uh, he, he references where I call him an idiot. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's great. All, All right. right, the next the next scene we're in the promenade upper level. Jake is uh looking down. He's by himself looking down at this empty promenade. Everybody's in quarantine. Everybody it's it's a ghost town. Uh Cisco appears and Jake is very worried about this quarantine and and Cisco reassures him. His dad reassures him and then sends him off to his quarters. The dog alien, Jahil, <laughs> arrives. <laughs> Isn't that what you say to a dog? Heel? Jaheel. It's Jaheel. <laughs> Heel. That's now that's it makes what, sense. You're so right, Robbie. Now I'm gonna that's, come to your side now. His name is Jaheel. So there you go. Heel. He is the dog that's alien. Great. Jaheel wants permission to leave from Cisco. He's very worried he's gonna get sick. Cisco says no. When Cisco and Jake are talking, Cisco says something. He says, I, I thought you were gonna be home an hour ago. And yeah. Jake says, Oh, sorry, I was at Nogs. Hmm. And Cisco doesn't make a comment. Now, in the last episode, Cisco and Rom had the same attitude about each other's kids. They're like, right. stay away from that kid. I don't want you anywhere near that kid. Yeah. Do not sit near that kid. Do not yeah. talk to that kid. And Jake just says, oh, sorry, I was at Nogs. And Cisco blows right past there, it. There's no, like, there's no reaction no, at all. <laughs> I was shocked that he didn't say, I told you not to go to Nogs. You know, yeah. don't go. I, I don't know. I just, it, it bumped me a little bit. Yeah. Because your show does track connect <laughs> a lot of things, and yeah. that was one thing I was like, mm, yeah, the good last catch episode. though, good catch, Robbie, good yeah. catch. Yeah, and that that relationship between uh, Nog and Jake is going to flourish, is going to grow, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm I'm for one very grateful because of Jake's relationship with Nog. I think the audience got a better idea that there was something of value in the Ferengi, at least mm. uh, at least in Nog, and then eventually Ram, and then eventually Quark. So. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I did I did sense that they were going to become good friends, but the father's attitudes were stay away from that one. So that's why I was surprised that he just blew by it and didn't say something about, I told you not to go over there, or some version of that. Unless the passage of time has been long since between maybe. episodes maybe, yeah maybe right? they've gotten yeah but here's already one of the first instances of recurring characters don't have to be seen that their names are familiar enough so that oh we know who they are jake says nog and and we know who that is yeah. you know we we, we it, you know how many shows could you do that where your recurring characters were so familiar that you could just say their name and oh yeah that's, that's true a good point yeah that's a mm -hmm. yeah i think on our show we always had to recap you know, Seska, yeah. the, the bad one from, yeah, you yes. know, we, we have to define that person for the mm. new audience. Okay, we go to some empty quarters next. Quark is coming into this empty room with a food trolley looking around. He uses uh, 
the crew this quarter's replicator to make a pink drink. A Starduster. Uh, Ferengi Starduster. Ferengi Starduster. I love that, that name. Is that and a that popular is, drink? It is, and will be used in, in several episodes. Okay. Makes oh, a Starduster, which looked delicious, by the way. <laughs> and then suddenly the the cart, this trolley, morphs into Odo, and Odo is PO'd. He is mad. Uh, He's PO'd. I should be PO'd. <laughs> God, there's no sense of privacy on this station. This guy not, just not morphs into sister. anything he wants yeah. to do. You never, you know, you could go to the bathroom and the toilet seat could be Odo. Um, ah. It's ridiculous to have him around. <laughs> yeah. I, I love your line, though. I thought the front wheels were sticking a bit. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is great. Well, it Odo could be anything, is, literally. Odo is PO'd. <laughs> uh quark's trying to cover here but he he does sort of admit he's like you know there's yeah, a yeah, ferengi yeah. saying never ask when you can take what's interesting to me about that line never ask when you can take yeah. it's not in my book anyway a rule of acquisition and yet soon after this uh i will always preface uh the rules of acquisition and, and if people don't know what that is they'll you'll find out later it's interesting to me that they haven't yet set up the rules of acquisition the that book, will become yeah. intrinsic, very much intrinsic to my character mm -hmm. and uh, the other Ferengi on the show. Mm -hmm. So this one is a more generic version of that, where it's there's an old Ferengi saying, as opposed to a rule of acquisition. This but is yeah. a rule. A after that, I never said there's a Ferengi saying. It was always a rule of acquisition. No, there wow. you go. So you, even you guys are finding your legs. But this is the scene where Rom's an idiot comes out of Odo's mouth. That's this right. is the this beginning. Is where it oh, starts it all right okay. here. Yeah. Yes. On the exit, there was like a shove at the end. I think Renee shoved you yeah. or something. Which seemed to indicate that I was being arrested. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And it, it, uh, you know, as Armin, I'm, I'm surprised that Quark wasn't arrested. As Quark, I'm happy that he, he, I wasn't arrested. <laughs> yes. But, but it seems to me I've just broken the, the rules, the, the rule, law. Yeah. And I should be incarcerated or something for having done something nefarious. Um, but there's no reaction to that. Yeah. Well, there's I no, would, nothing follows from that. I feel like Odo has shown at least what I've seen so far. He's shown his hand that two things. He he liked some things about the Cardassian time on this station because he could do what he wanted. He was kind of the sheriff. He could, you know. Now Cisco is saying, nope, that's not the rules. You can't, you have to follow the rules. You can't just be a one man, you know, army and do whatever you want. So I feel like in this situation, Odo may have decided, oh, I'm not going to arrest him because I also have noticed that that subtext is clear that there is some affection underneath all of the bickering that goes on. So. I, right. I buy it that he doesn't arrest them. My take on it is after a while, the writers and the producers realized I can't be doing obvious nefarious things. Mm. Otherwise they would have to arrest me. And if they arrested me, that would put the kibosh on one of their series regulars. Yeah. So, so as the, as the shows go by, yes, I will start to do more entrepreneurial things. <laughs> as my Thank friend you. Robbie says, um, <laughs> but, but less uh, breaking of the law per se. Yeah. So that we don't get into the conflict. If uh, if he's doing bad things, 
he should be arrested, but that Starfleet yeah. isn't capable of catching him or of, of doing the right thing. Yeah, it's so, bad for everybody. So it's bad for everybody. Yeah. We go to ops next. The doctor is explaining to um, Cisco uh, that the virus is being ingested through food. So now all these pieces of the puzzle are coming together, the replicators and why people are getting sick. Kira explains the the replicators uh, should be screening out viruses. Um, Bashir does say in the scene that it's so far the command level replicators is where it's coming from, but it doesn't make sense how other people are getting this virus if it's only the command level replicators when people down on the promenade and at Quarks, for example, are getting the virus. That's when Odo arrives. Rats me out. Yes, he rats he rats Quark out, explains that he's been feeding everyone from an empty command level replicator that he was using illegally. And then Bashir scans the air, the atmosphere on, on in the op station. And Bashir says at the end of the scene that the virus is now airborne. So the okay. stakes are elevated a lot in this scene. Two things. I I need to rewind a little bit in the prior scene because I had a question for Armin that I now remembered. Did you and Odo rehearse that scene where he's, the Rom's an idiot, and then as you're walking out the shove, was that blocking that you came up with during rehearsal or was that more of an impromptu sort of- We uh, never shove? rehearsed blocking. Okay. Because we always assumed the director uh, would give us blocking uh, and and- it's possible that Renee just decided to shove me, but we never rehearsed blocking it in my house. Okay. We just, just rehearsed lines. Yeah. Uh, lines and interpretation of course. about what things might have meant. Table work, as we call it. Uh, right, yeah. Okay. I used to slap you on the back or slap your chest, or <laughs> my character would get very in the Physical. way that like, I felt like my character on Voyager was a lot like with Harry yeah. We were like buddies on the football team or something. So there was a lot of that kind of fraternity sort of yeah. behavior and the younger guys on the ship. And yeah. I would smack but him. And, he, but he would yeah. smack me when we weren't filming on at all. Uh -huh. We would be at craft service and he would smack me. So yeah. that's the difference. I, I'm going to ask a question that has yeah. nothing to do with this show, but is something sure. that I've been uh, interested all my life. And forgive yeah. me for not remembering, which mm. of the two of you is taller? Oh, Robbie is. Yeah. So <laughs> that just proves what I always think, which is it's usually the taller person yeah. slapping the shorter person. Yeah. It's really <laughs> the other way around. I am so sorry. You know, Armin, you and I can commiserate. We were both bullied. You were bullied by Odo. I was bullied by Robbie. Yeah. The shorter. Ones. I, it was like a little brother <laughs> thing for me. I was like, come on, yeah. buddy. Let's go. Of course, it's done out of love, but it just was. physically speaking, it's usually the, <laughs> the taller, taller person one. who does it to I the mean, shorter person. I, I will say this, Armin. At most conventions, when I stand up to do a photo op with somebody from my table, they're always like, oh, you're taller than we thought because here's yeah, the not, deal on yeah. our show. I'm not in, in the world. I'm not a shorty, right? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm five eleven. Yes, you're taller, the, much taller in than the Voyager, I am, yeah. In the Voyager world, all the guys were super tall. So it looks like I'm a, I'm a shrimp, you know, in comparison to the rest of them, but everyone else is super tall. So other than Neelix, yeah. right? That was the thing. Robbie, back to this scene. Here is the elephant in the room. When Bashir says it's mutated into an airborne variety, at yeah. that point, all of us have now been through the pandemic. I was thinking, where are the masks for God's sakes? Like I no did. one's putting on a 
God didn't, darn, no one, no one. Didn't I make a note? I made a note. I'm sure later. you must have. All of you well, saw that, right? You thought that. That's right. That's, right. that's right. That is exactly right. Oh my god! I had the same thought, but I didn't blame them here because he's only discovering he, it. But from this point on, if you know it's an airborne virus, why? Especially in this infirmary and all. Cisco over. is there. He's the commander. He should have said. He's already yeah. said. You know, we're on quarantine. Now that he knows knows it's airborne, he should have said. From uh, this point masks on, masks for everybody now. From yeah. this point on, and he doesn't do that. And the thing yeah. is, back then when you filmed this, none of you had lived through the Spanish flu, so none of you understood the whole yeah, worldwide pandemic. Did. No one knew. But now we all know. I think anybody watching DS9 for the first time in this episode would be like, "Oh, no one's wearing a mask, if and where everyone's touching yeah, if everybody." You, <laughs> if you film this scene now, yeah, post pandemic, oh post COVID nineteen, yeah. That would be a big oh yeah part of, the, part of this story big yeah. time okay. right yeah. yeah totally agree mm. so we've got a station log where Cisco uh, reveals that nearly sixty percent of the station's population now has contracted the virus so it's a mm. it's spreading like wildfire they've got quarantine procedures going and they're advising all incoming ships to stay away mm-hmm. until further notice we cut down to this access tunnel again, and Kira's down there, and she finds that little splitter device, that <laughs> secret device. Yeah, I just, again, love tunnel shots. I love these <laughs> Jeffrey's tube scenes. Something about all that foreground elements, the t- the gak in the foreground and tight shots. I just, I love tubes. So, Robbie, if they come out yes. with a new Star Trek show and it's called Star Trek Jeffrey's Tube, you will I be would, I would all be all into that show, it. right? You're I watching would. every episode. Okay. Yes. Yes, Or please. maybe you get to direct every episode of Star Take Trek Jeffrey's Tube. Take my money. I would watch the tube show. <laughs> it looks, they just look cool. They just look, I don't know why I like them so much. Okay, but they're uncomfortable to be in. I don't know about your Jeffrey's oh, Tubes. Have you... Have you been crawling? Or, I mean, are there episodes where you crawl around in there? Okay. Yes. You yes. guys have that really core, get really tough stuff, that material that really hurts your knees when you're crawling through it. Yes. No, I was always crawling through it with somebody else. So it was, yes. it was, not, it was, it was tight quarters. Yeah. Okay. So next we're in the commander's office and uh, Cisco and Kira are talking. Kira has shown this thing she just found in the tube, this device. And uh, they realized that there was some, some kind of sabotage and maybe it was Cardassian. They don't know. Which she's pretty sure. She she doesn't say maybe. She's like Cardassian sabotage. She, yeah, she thinks it's, she thinks she, it's for sure. Yeah. yeah. She's always going to blame the Cardassians <laughs> and everything. Everything. Well, she has bad. a reason, or the Ferengi. Either the <laughs> Cardassians or the Ferengi. One or the other. That's right. It's the power source that tips it away for her. The Dibor, was it Diboridium core for power source? Cardassian yeah. technology? But that's the, that's how you frame somebody, isn't it? Yes. That's right. All right. All right. We go to the infirmary next. And because uh, Cisco got a call while he was talking to Kira, he comes down to the infirmary and there's Jake. It's a short scene, but really, again, so much heart and really moving. Avery's best work in this episode is with Sirach, with, with Jake. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it is. You, you can see the warmth, the love that he has for the character of Jake and for the boy, Sirach. Yeah. Yeah, in the very end when he says you're going to be all right, it's so connected, it's so reassuring and warm. It's it's great. As he leaves to take Jake to the hospital ward, the infirmary area, Bashir says, "Hey, when you're done, come back." So, we know that Bashir maybe has some thoughts or advice, but we're going to have to wait for that. We go to the hospital ward. This is where I felt like everybody should be wearing a mask. This is where I wrote down like, "Now they know it's airborne." <laughs> This why isn't anybody wearing yeah, masks? Yeah. But uh 
Hmm. Yeah, Quark is there and he's speaking in this gibberish. At first I thought, oh no, Quark has it too. <laughs> but then, then you realize he's trying to speak gibberish to get his money that he's owed. And which is a very funny concept. That And I want to thank you for not shying away from this scene. You dove in. Oh yeah. You dove into the deep end of the pool. That's it. So thank, thank you. you. I also want to point out that um, over the course of the seven episodes, you, you will, excuse me, seven seasons, you will discover how many great things the Ferengi body has. <laughs> this being <laughs> one of the first that we not susceptible to disease that much, you know, yeah. amazing. Um, amazing. over the course of time, you'll see how many things the Ferengi uh, have to protect themselves. Wow. Yeah, he's immune. Quark says uh, his immune system stronger than you realize. So yeah, you know we live forever. You'll find wow. out in a later episode. But uh, we live forever. How long do you live? I believe that we live for hundreds of years. Wow, that's hundreds. incredible. Oh. So you and Dax, Dax is three hundred and fifty years old or something. Right. So Ferengi uh, symbiont is it symbionts? That's what symbiont. Yeah, symbiont. Symbiont. Yeah. Symbionts are 350. We didn't have anybody. We had Tuvok on our show. Tuvok was lived. the oldest. Yeah, he was the oldest, but he wasn't 350 years old. No, he was... How old was he? Wasn't he like 180 or something? Maybe by the end. And Tuvok doesn't look a, a day over 40 in, in the show. <laughs> no, he <laughs> doesn't. True. He looks young. Um, well, Cisco brings Jake down to the, to, to a bed near Dax and O'Brien, and he says he'll be right back as soon as he can. We cut to the infirmary. And Bashir's explaining the virus, the virus doesn't appear to be Cardassian, like Kira thought. He thinks it's Bajoran terrorists, basically, and that they set this virus to sabotage the Cardassians when they were there. So this complicated web is starting to come together a little bit. Bashir kind of explains that this is probably Bajoran. And one thing I noticed in the scene, Armin, maybe you can answer does the space station rotate? Is it, in theory, kind of rotating around? I don't think so. It's a good question. I really don't know for sure. But I, I have the, the opinion that it doesn't rotate, that it just hangs in space mm -hmm. uh, outside of the wormhole, which it moved to the wormhole in the pilot episode. Right. Right. And then it, and then it stays kind of static. Because in whenever we're in Cisco's office, I keep seeing that star field behind Avery moving. And it's a little inconsistent because you go in other sets and it's just a static star field. But in his office, for some reason, it seems to always be floating by. So I, I, I was confused. I'm like, well, it would make sense that it could rotate. And that's why the stars are moving. I don't think his office is spinning on its own or anything. So <laughs> his it was a little, it was a little inconsistent. <laughs> maybe they're trying, maybe they'll notice it at some point and, and be yeah. more consistent with the, the stars outside. But yeah, we we often ha struggle the same way on Voyager. Like, should the stars be moving? If we're if we're you know, does it have to be a green screen out there? Could it be that moving star field? So, that was something in that office scene I noticed. I think we just hung there. Um, That's and, what I thought too. And I don't. I I didn't do that many scenes in ops. This episode being one of the few, so I, I don't remember the star field ever moving. Certainly, not. Not on the promenade anyway. Yeah, not on the promenade. That would be a giant moving star field. Yeah. yeah. So the next scene is in uh, the commander's office. Cisco assigns Kira to find out what is going on. She's his their best hope that because she's Bajoran, she knows all about this 
this war that took place in the Cardassians. You know, Kira even says maybe the Bajorans forgot it was there. They talk about how there may not have even been an antidote created. You know, even if they do find out where it came from, there may not be an antidote there. So, you know, she says it's been a long time, I think 18 years. So, uh, so this is not a very reassuring scene. No. You know, they're going to try. Kira's going to try. So next we go to ops. Kira is trying to figure out what's going on. She calls uh, this Bajoran named Galus, who is a female, I guess, an old friend of old hers, friend. maybe from, yeah. from the war, from the resistance. Mm -hmm. But she asked if she knows anything about it. And Galus thinks maybe it's this sounds like something this decon Elig character would have thought up. Mm -hmm. and uh kira asks where he's at she hasn't heard you know for 18 years or something nine years i think that he was in a prison and that's the last she's heard about him at the very end of the scene though when galus uh says i'm sorry kira the way she says sorry canadian. is so canadian <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's a canadian actress <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, 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 Kira. Kira. Sorry. So, so Canadian. Sorry. Yeah. But it was great. She was great. But she, her Canadian came out there and it was, that was nice. She's a Canadian Bajoran. Yes. They, they also settled in Canada as well. <laughs> in, the, in the northern part of Bajoran. Yes. Bajoran. <laughs> far, far north. Okay. <laughs> we go to, back to the hospital ward. And it start, this scene starts with Jake running over to the nurse, Nurse Jabara, drags the nurse over to O'Brien, and Dax is trying to talk, but takes yeah. the nurse's hand to feel that uh, Miles is very hot now. He's, he's getting worse. And the nurse calls Bashir for an emergency. So we time cut to the infirmary. O'Brien looks bad. He's pale, sweaty. The virus is attacking his nervous system, is what uh, Bashir says. And if we don't find a, a cure for this virus, he's going to be dead in 12 hours. So there's a ticking clock now. 12 hours is all he's got. I, I thought it was interesting that Bashir comments, this virus is a work of genius. Mm -hmm. He thinks whatever who, whatever doctor, you know, invented this thing has made it. He's impressed. Yeah, yes, he's, he's totally impressed. impressed by this work. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, the one thing I, I did not not particularly like about this opening shot Mm -hmm. It started on Miles on the bed, then went up to Bashir, lost Miles, then went over to the two shot, and then it dropped down back to Miles in the foreground. I would describe that as a yo-yo shot, meaning it starts one place and it ends up at the same place. Okay. And typically, camera operators avoid that because it's mm -hmm. a bit of a whiplash that, you know, and sometimes it can be a very subtle whiplash. I like the framing when he got to the the miles in the foreground but yeah. to me that shot was a little it was a little bumpy so when you direct robbie you never start and then come back to the exact same position again like that you never yo-yo you try not, to not yo-yo not that quickly like yeah. if you're going to start on something in the foreground and then yeah. go to another part of the story yeah if it eventually ended if you if you want to bookend it right a scene with a yeah. you know kind of go back to one yes but to start at first position, number yep. one, yep. then go to a brief moment and then back to one. It's I, I would call that a yo-yo shot. Got that it. that one, that one I will give uh, a deduct points. Okay, okay. There is a deduction <laughs> for that. Yeah, but he's going to be dead in twelve hours. Bad yeah. news. 
that. We go up to ops. Kira asks the computer about Decon Ellick. She's doing some research up there. Computer says he's dead. Cisco comes in, says, you got to hurry up. People are starting to die. She looks at the records and she pulls up photos. Do you know who Decon Ellick was? I think. No. Dan Curry. It was a photo of Dan Curry, our oh visual effects supervisor. God. I think you're right. I think it was. Good. I stopped catch, it and I went back Robbie. and I was like, well, that's an old photo, but I think it's Dan. Good catch. Yeah. I'm go back home and watch that now. Yeah. She's looking at these records. She sees Dan Curry, our visual effects supervisor. <laughs> yeah. Dead Decon Elig. She asks who witnessed this death? And the name Sermok Wren comes up, a Bajoran medical assistant. She asked for information about Sir Mark Wren. She finds out he repatriated to Bajor. And yeah, so she's got a lead. She's got a lead. She does a little more research about this Sir Mark Wren guy that he was in the underground. And it, the computer says current status unknown. So don't know where to go from here. We go to Quarks. Thank God we're off of this sad You know story. what I was just thinking? Like, I'm just, yes. <laughs> the, the Decon Alec, if that really is Dan Curry, they could have put another Easter egg in there. Instead of calling him Decon Alec, they should have just reversed his name. It would have been Nod Iraq. So, yes. yeah, okay, Dan Curry backwards. Nod Iraq is the uh, guy. So, there you go. They did occasionally put some of our crew in these, like, you know, records, Situations. files, and things yeah. like that. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. All right. It was we're always fun to see. We're in Quark's. It's uh, empty. Quark is playing Dabo all by himself. I don't understand the game of Dabo. Is it craps? Is that when what you, it is? It, it, no, that's it, like roulette, right? Dabo is. Or, yeah, or, Dabo is roulette. Okay. Yeah. Actually, was educated watching this episode, but to this day, I was never sure whether Dabo meant I won or I lost. But watching this episode, I come to believe it means I lost. Lost, yes. yeah. yeah. When you say Dabo means you lost, I think, right? Because right. you. Yeah. But when people yeah. yell Dabo, it means it sounds you lost. like they're celebrating. That they won something, yeah. Yeah. Dabo. So. But really, for seven years, never sure whether Dabo meant I won or I lost. You know what? Maybe it could it's be like how a whole, you say it. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. It could be like a Hawaiian aloha is hello and aloha is goodbye the way you say it. So Dabo, you lost. Dabo, you won. Maybe that's it. Simple yeah. as that. Okay. That could work. I would now, buy that. I suppose I totally if you lost that. and you yelled, and the Ferengi yelled Dabo, that's a good thing. You lost. We <laughs> <Yeah>. lost. <laughs> Odo shows up in Quarks. He's by himself. Um, Quark says he's lost every hand that he's been playing here. Uh, he invites Odo to play, but Odo doesn't. Ultimately, we realize Odo doesn't know the rules, even though he's been, you know, enforcing. Uh, He's been there every night for 18 years. Yes. He still doesn't know the rules. I like when he said he does admit to Quark that the whole security staff has been infected with the virus, so he can't stay anyway. Even if he did know the rules, he couldn't play. But he warns Quark not to steal anything. Don't take advantage of this because my my staff is all infected. So. His staff, that's a one person, I think. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. For years, people have said to me, so were the Dabo wheels crooked? Were they rigged? And watching this scene, I'm going, well, if, if even Quark can't win at the Dabo wheel, then they must not be rigged. They must not be rigged. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, that, that was an education for me as I was watching that scene. Yeah. I wonder if they're there, but the Frankie would be clever enough to say like, oh, if we make this little adjustment, it'll rig in our favor. But because he's by himself, he's just playing it without any advantage. He's playing a pure game. 
Well, Maybe. there goes my assumption then, right out the window. Thank you very much. <laughs> because I like the idea that they rigged them. I like the idea that they. I don't. <laughs> oh, really? Because then I, yeah, because then I think about real life casinos and if they were to rig know, something. You're a well, here's the thing: real life casinos they they don't rig the games, but they do employ coolers. Did you have a cooler in Quarks? No, <laughs> that's a classic move with a casino to yeah mm. to distract interrupt somehow interrupt yeah. the the flow of the game right I, i'm sure if quark was aware of coolers he would have sent his brother over he would have said <laughs> yes. rom the cooler I, I not would totally only is he an it. idiot he's a cooler as well okay <laughs> we go to the infirmary next Bashir's running tests simulations on his computer no luck and then uh Bashir starts talking gibberish oh, and gosh. so does the computer read out <laughs> So uh, this is really bad, bad, bad. I had a question about the infirmary. Well, an imp an impression more than a question. So much of the space station feels Cardassian, but that infirmary feels very Starfleet to me. Like the hmm. color palette. Yeah, we didn't go back to the infirmary very often. More often yeah. than not, when someone was sick, uh, they went to Bashir's office, which uh -huh. seems oh. very Cardassian. Oh. Um, so you may be right. This this may be left over from TNG days. Yeah, okay. maybe it was. It just felt it felt more Starfleet than the rest of the station to me at yeah. this point watching the series. And as a side note, I have no problem with Cardassian aesthetics, their design aesthetics. I, li no, I, I like, think it looks I like great. it. I like it. I do. I like it too. That's why this sort of jumped out at me a bit. Because it was not the same, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. It felt more like TNG yeah. to me. Makes sense. Yeah. The computer and Bashir are talking gibberish. So things are bad. Uh, we go to Ops. Kira tracks down the doctor who is now, um, you know, the chief, Sermok, the one she was looking for. He's now the chief administrator. And uh, she calls him up, asks if he helped plant this virus with Deacon Elig. And he quickly denies it and hangs up. Yeah, it's funny because he's very friendly at the beginning of this conversation. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as she mentions the virus, he says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Click. So you know, suspicious. Al already in the, we're in what, the third, fourth episode. People hang up on people all the time in this show. <laughs> That's something that I notice all the time. Just, nah, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> Which is awesome. Different from ours. Okay. Yeah. Odo doesn't want to help Cisco. Uh, run command. The whole command, you know, staff is gone. Cisco's there by himself and he wants Odo to help him. Odo does not want to, he doesn't know how to do this. He doesn't want to be up in command, but Cisco says there's nobody else. And Kira shows up, fills Cisco in on that she found this doctor, Sir Mock, and she thinks that he knows what happened because he hung up so quickly. <laughs> as soon as she mentioned the virus, she wants to go see him. But Cisco says, I don't want you to break quarantine. You know, we've got this virus floating around. And uh, Odo reminds him that she is all they've got to, yeah. to save this entire, you know, station. He actually does that by repeating uh, Cisco's own words. Yeah. You're, you're my only choice. He says to Odo and he and Odo says to to Cisco, she's your only choice. Yeah. Oh. Okay, did you did either of you notice what when Odo says that to Cisco, how he says it? Better let her go, Cisco, not Commander Cisco. Not there was where's the title? I was like, wow, I guess he can. He's he's on a a last name basis where he doesn't have to. Throw Odo's the title got in a there. lot of he's I, got a lot of chutzpah. 
as we say. It would be like me saying to Captain Janeway, anyway, Janeway, like that. I, I would never say that. I'd say Captain or, you know, Captain Janeway. So I thought, well, wow. Odo is not Starfleet, so he doesn't yeah. have to. So he doesn't uh, have to say Commander protocols. Cisco. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that makes sense then. I mean, yeah. he never called me anything but Quark. He never called me Sir Quark or Bartender Quark. He just called me <laughs> What does he call Kira? Doesn't he say Kira. major? He says Kira. major too. He doesn't, doesn't call he? her anything. He just kisses her. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, sometimes he calls her major Kira. Yes. Yeah, but but most of the time he calls her Kira. Just Kira. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just think Odo doesn't. I think Odo has a big ego and he's so for him to not uh, indulge those formalities, I think is fits his character to me. And yeah. it's interesting that Odo and ego rhyme. Yes. That's why that's, that's how he came up with that part of his character. He's like, what rhymes with Odo ego? I'll play him like that. That's, that's how I do research. Man. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of playing Odo, Yes. I was impressed. Impressed is the wrong word. I, I was fascinated by early choices of Rene Auberginois to play Odo, that he played him as an alien. His neck was constantly... Okay. I can't even do it because he has a longer neck yes. than I do. And, and um, he was doing that as though he was doing alien behavior. Yes. I think we all learned pretty quickly, obviously not yet yes. for either one of us, but that we didn't need to do that, that the makeup itself did it. We didn't need to add anything. Right. To it. I, Interesting. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was going to bring that up later. And you refer specifically in the scene later when he's helping Cisco, he's doing a lot of the, yeah, he's doing a lot of the thing. And it, to me, it looked like he was imitating primate behavior, like chimpanzee behavior uh, almost. Like it was very, it was very much like that to me. Yeah, rip, or something. Uh, yeah. Hunchback of Notre Dame, something. It was just, it was something that he was go going yeah. off of. And I didn't know what was happening. I was like, that's hard to that? sustain it, in 26 it, episodes yes, of season. <laughs> yes. I thought he was going through some type of medical condition. I didn't get it. Right. But then it was again, the virus. No, it's not the virus. But it's the, it's the actor trying to, to try something. And then yeah. he realizes, I don't need to do this. This is going to play it already. It's good enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Cool. Well, Thank we've you. got a space shot. We see Kira's shuttle flying off. So clearly Cisco let her leave. We cut back to the hospital ward. Cisco again reassuring Jake. He says, he says, I'm not going to lose you. I, that, that's a promise. You hear me? I'm not going to lose you. So another, these, I agree with you, Armin. These, some of these best moments in this episode were these moments between Jake and Cisco. Absolutely. Really authentic, heartfelt. We go to Ops, Jaheel's ship is preparing to depart the dog alien my my favorite dog alien is decided <laughs> he's just gonna leave and cisco comes on screen and you know uh, brings him up on on screen and tells him he can't leave but he starts his engines anyway um he insists he's gonna leave cisco cuts him off cisco's like i'm not gonna waste my time arguing with you which i loved you know he, he goes into a back and forth for a moment and then he's like forget it he just cuts him off and he prepares to release him. But dog aliens engines have locked these docking clamps so they can't release. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, going full thrusters. So his ship is going to blow up 
and destroy the station if he doesn't stop. He falls into that guest star tendency of pushing way too many buttons. If you watch him oh, on the he? view screen, oh my God, Robbie, he's just, he's talking to Cisco and he's doing it. And the way he's pushing it is a weird, it's almost like he's petting a dog or something, you know, because well, there's nothing alien. on those panels. There right. Was no, but, there was but no the way. But the way he's doing it is awkward and it's repetitive to the point of like, okay, mm-hmm. there's not that many buttons, dude. But that's what happens when guest stars come on. They don't have the fine, you know, the balance of how many. Right. We push. should tell everyone out there that there was no instructor to tell us no. what to do with Correct. the props or the yeah. scenery. That's up to the we actors just, themselves. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, I remember seeing props, you know, these made up devices that the props guys would hand me right before we rolled and i'd be like how does this work and they're like i don't know you i guess you could push this or yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe point this they didn't know they, they did, just they didn't know themselves exactly so there you go <laughs> we cut to the runabout kira uh, arrives at this medical complex where dr sermok locates where he's at that's why she wants to make the call make sure he's there and then she beams him over to her ship so tell me is that kidnapping or is it not kidnapping? Oh, it's totally kidnapping. Right. Uh, no, it's surmacking is what it is. <laughs> it's, yeah, she kidnaps him. She kidnaps yes, him, Kira. But I think this is justified. I think this is justified. Well, because she has no time. Uh, but she, uh, O'Brien's about to die. He, I mean, he, she has to do this. There's no time to even explain yeah. it, right? So yeah. we go to ops and they're still, Cisco and, and Odo are there tr- still trying to reason with Jaheel. His ship appears when they bring it back up on the screen, the view screen, his ship appears to be on fire and you don't see Dog Alien anymore. You don't see the Jaheel guy. This thing is going to blow up if they can't release it from the docking clamps, but then Cisco starts talking gibberish. Mm-hmm. By the way, it occurred to me in the scene when I saw the fire and everything, and I just saw the previous scene where Kira kidnapped or beamed over the doctor. I was like, yeah. why didn't they just beam the dog alien off of his ship before all this stuff happened? That, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, hey, because his whole solution was they'll break free. And once he breaks free, we'll tractor him back up. Just beam him off the ship. Just beam totally him off. Right. He's the stop only guy from on the pushing ship. the engine button. There's no idea. Stop him from doing this. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is that world building that's always tricky. Yeah, like yes. it, it was helpful to use that trick with yeah. Kira, but yeah. here yeah. it, it doesn't help it their bites story. You, of, it bites yeah. you in the ass, just like yeah. what a dog would do, right? Okay. Exactly. The next scene is back on the runabout. Uh, Sermok is demanding to be taken back. Uh, Kira says, after you cure the people in the station. And he says he doesn't have the antidote. He didn't create it. He was just an assistant. Kira says, well, maybe you can figure it out to save yourself. Now you're infected. And she's standing really close to him. And we know how this virus works. Yes. So smart. So uh, we go back to ops. Odo is panicking, calling for help. Quark arrives and says that he will, uh, he will help for a price. (laughs) I think, what did you say? Something like we can negotiate the hazard yes. pay later. The hazard pay later, exactly. <laughs> it's great. Huge conversation that I've had with Michael Dorn for years. Yeah. Who has insisted there was no money in outer space? Well, hazard pay is money. My no, friend yes, Michael. That's right. <laughs> that's right. True. I loved how you played this scene, though. You were cool yeah. as a cucumber. I, I, wanted, were... I wasn't actually. I, when I watched that scene for the first time this week, I had a vague memory of, of there was in some episode, this was the one, where I realized that, Jesus Christ, I'm in Star Trek. <laughs> uh, um, what? 
I had been a huge Star Trek fan and and being in ops, which is similar to being on the bridge. Yeah. And there I was alone. Some of the scene was I was alone. I was alone on the bridge commanding Yes, it's a it's a space station, but you can yeah, metaphor the, yeah, into a space Star spaceship. Trek. And, yeah. and, and yeah. I remember thinking, this is it. I'm in Star Trek. <laughs> um, and, and, and you can see it in all through this scene. I am elated. You are. I am totally elated because I'm this is this was on a bucket list for an actor. This was one of the top things and I had achieved it in that day wow. on that wow. set and, that and i was oh. ecstatic ecstatic <laughs> a childhood dream was coming true although wow. i'd done a number of episodes before this but being in ops yeah and being on on the bridge yeah um there i was and it was very clear to me and i was in seventh heaven that whole day <laughs> That's well awesome. i, I love that, that that's the the behind the story version but that enthusiasm and that joy came through in the story as well in the character and i loved that choice i yeah. loved that i'm not sure that... it was a choice i think it was just simply an epiphany yeah. but there I, I was i feel like quark would have in a way felt the same way i don't know if quark had ever i don't i don't know probably he, not he never no, god knows how many i'm sure he wasn't invited to the to the no. ops on a regular basis no yeah. so except maybe to be called on the carpet but right. um uh, so yes to be alone in ops yeah. uh, i'm sure quark was as elated as armin was yeah. and that worked for me i it felt authentic and and i think all of those all of that that the coloring that that your real life experience brought to the to the story i thought was great we got a little backstory too i love that right i'll beam you over oh and uh odo says you and quark says relax i served on a frangy freighter for eight years so now we know he's not just the purveyor of the bar and the gambling instit uh, mm -hmm. uh, institution he actually he's traveled has he's experience. traveled through yes. space yeah. yes but i like that he that quark teases him in the end <laughs> When Quark says, well, I must have witnessed this procedure, this transporter thing of yeah. hundreds of times. <laughs> and Odo's like, wait, witness? Do you mean you've never handled the controls yourself? Energizing! Yeah, yeah. It is great, 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 great yeah. scene. The writers were kind enough to give me the last word, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, great scene. Um, Kira's um, runabout arrives at the docking station. She calls Ops. Um, quark answers <laughs> now kira in this scene says quark yeah she yes. pronounces it the way that uh that sid, sid does, sid does. Yeah. yeah the british way yeah, yeah. Quark, she quark, 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 in this scene. quark quark she can't believe that quark is uh is uh in ops in running the whole scene. Yes. Yeah, he's running the whole uh, he's yes. running the whole scene is what yeah. he's doing where the elevator is and the replicator is. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is. Everything you need is in yes. ops. Is in ops. Unbelievable. And, we, and I think she probably needs his help to dock as well. Yes. So. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, we cut. So she docks. She's shocked. The quark is on, on the bridge, basically. <laughs> we cut to the, the infirmary. And now uh, Sermak is helping. He's looking at the doctor's uh, research notes. and database and all the notes. The unfinished, uh, unfinished work that he's doing on finding the the antidote is what he's yeah, looking so, at too. So we, yeah, we see he's helping, mm -hmm. and we cut back to the dog alien Jahil's uh, ship interior, 
Odo is there with a fire, this raging fire in the yeah. background of that set. Yeah. And Odo hauls him through for safety. I just want to talk about the fire on stage when, for a moment. Um, do you remember at Paramount Studios, they had their own little fire station down? Yeah. yeah. It was like a miniature fire station. I think it had like a, a fancy golf cart painted red with Paramount fire on the side or something. But those guys would always come down to our set whenever we had explosions on stage or anything. There'd be one of those guys close by. That fire in the dog aliens ship when Odo is bringing Jaheel out, that was a huge fire. That made me nervous yeah. uh, 30 years later watching it. Looking yeah. at the script right here, because when he picks Jaheel off the surface, because he's you know been compromised by the smoke, yeah. As Jaheel and Odo are walking out, do you do you get this dialogue? Look at this dialogue. He's speaking in virus right now, right? Jaheel yeah. says, dog, fellow, distance. He says, dog. Oh, that's so funny. Like, I'm like, what? That's funny. Oh, my God. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. You were right the whole time, McNeil. Exactly. <laughs> Up at Ops, Quark says it's going to explode in one minute. We go back yeah. to the infirmary. Um, Sermak is running some programs, and voila, he found the antidote. That was the quickest solution yeah. to a virus that Bashir called a work of genius. <laughs> it was a little fast for me, I got to be honest. Uh, it was fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's a little rapid. I, I get it, but it was a yeah. little fast. I wish there had been, been one more secret thing yeah. that could have added to Sermak's presence yeah. that would have been you know, the key because it felt like he just showed up, looked at some research, and said, "Oh yeah, here's here's the antidote." Mm -hmm. But but he he was good. That actor. Did you know him, Armin? You said I did, uh, Matthew. Yeah. Yes, I did know him. I didn't know him very well, but I did know him. He's and with all due respect to all the actors on the show, I believe Matthew gave the best performance uh, continually through the episode yeah. of anybody. I, I thought Matthew was superb. Yeah. Um, it, there are moments when I believe Cisco matches that performance when he's talking to Jake. Uh, the rest of us do fine, but but I think those were the two superior performances. He was really good. I would not I would not uh, you know discredit you or any of the other actors. There were some great moments with everybody, but I I agree with you. Matthew was great. I liked him. He was consistent. He was believable. He was grounded. You believed everything he was doing. He didn't you know. It was just perfect. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. I was really happy with it. So it, from this point, it sort of intercuts back and forth between Ops and Docking Port 5 with you giving a countdown, right? It's mm -hmm. exploding in one minute. And then as you were going through 40 seconds, 30 seconds, at 20 seconds, when you scream 20 seconds, you do this thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where yeah. you touch your I face. I do remember. And, no, not yes. my face. Yes, I touch my face. Your face and your what head. I'm, you, you what go, I'm trying ah, to do is like no. This. No, I, <laughs> what I'm trying to do is protect my ears. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Great. I don't okay. remember this moment, but I okay. love that description. I, it's a great idea. Yeah. Well, All right. As you watch more of this show, yes. you will understand why I protect You're protecting my ears. Your, oh, I, I get it. But uh, but I'm going to say, I remember the whole thing where I was watching Odo do the thing, that he, that alien thing he was doing, and it looked very primate -y, very chimpanzee to me. And then you did that. I go, chimpanzees do that too. Maybe he's in a theme where he's, him, he and, and, That's and their Renee. Connection. Yeah, he and Renee That's says, hey, we're Odo both going to act. Connections. <laughs> because it looked like that. I was like, I oh my God. I but it was amazing. Why, why you have to protect your ears, but I'm going to have to uh, keep no, watching. Yeah, you have to. 
You'll have to keep watching. Oh, we'll save that for the secret. This, uh, their ears are very. I have all kinds of There's ideas a lot of, right they, now. And, you're, and yeah. they're all right. And they're all right. <laughs> your, your ears are right. good. We cut back and forth. And Docking Port 5, I really loved the physical set pieces, those giant the clamps um, that he has to release and all that. that yeah, they look great. They had to get released. Yeah. Those looked great. And so often. In Star Trek, we have, you know, a backlit panel with some buttons that's supposed to be the the thing or right. or something that we scan that we say is doing something. But to physically see these giant tubes moving back Move. and forth. We didn't I mean, have that so we much. Yeah. We didn't often do that in Star no. Trek. It was just, it was, I guess, costly and easier to, you know, wave something over it and say that it was working. Well, it was early days on the show, so I'm imagining they weren't looking at the budget as as uh, scrupulously as they were at the end of the season. Right. So I think uh, they may have thought we can afford this, and and they probably they paid for it. it later on. I, yeah. I thought it was worth it because I, I think I think those kind of things really physical set pieces that are moving that are interacting in a way like yeah. that uh, makes a makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Herman Zimmerman. Yes. Yeah. They do jettison this this ship and it flies far away to a safe distance and kaboom, it explodes. Now, try, I'm trying to remember because I don't because it just occurred to me. It, does it explode in fire when it explodes? Yeah. Yeah, it and sort it, of it blows up and then it it seems to yeah. almost like it gets sucked into But is there the fire? Is there fire? Do you remember I think there was. Fire? Yeah, I, think I, there I remember was. watching Picard and it exploded into fire. And I thought, no, it's outer space. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's no I know, I know, but that, that, that doesn't look good the other way. <laughs> the physics way doesn't look as good. So yeah, I get it. Funny. Yeah, I feel like so often on track, things explode in space and there's fire. I wonder if someone's ever put their foot down and said, "Nope, we have to." What it, what would it really look like? Because I don't know what what would that look like. It would just turn to debris, I guess. Well, there's well, like you said, there's no air out there. So how's the fire going to stay fiery? Right, you know, I right. mean, there's going to be some like initial uh, spark, but it'll be contained almost immediately. You know, instantaneously. <sighs> if you're talking about the laws of it, physics and yeah, the laws of physics would almost have it imploding, like as the vacuum of space hit it, instead of fire going expanding, it would almost contract. I wouldn't know, but we did. I'm sure your show had one as well. We had a science officer, uh, not an officer, but a science expert, consultant. who, yeah, consultant, who should have been able to answer those questions. Yeah, yeah, uh, we had the same one probably, probably. right? Yeah, um, Andre Bormanis. Yeah, Andre. that's right. That's right. Bormanis. Yeah. 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 Okay. Andre's great. Yes. And Cork brings up the hazard pay. And I made a note. Odo looks like he's going to explode now. <laughs> it's, like, I did. it's it's not like Odo would have to pay. It wouldn't be. I know. Him. It's not coming out of his pocket. Exactly. Right. Jeez. We have a captain's log here. Station log. Uh, station log. Yes. Station log. Dr. Sermok was able to find the antidote for the aphasia virus, and they're continuing to administer it throughout the station. Things are slowly returning to normal. Yeah. And we come back to ops. Cisco uh, says to O'Brien, uh, good to have you back. O'Brien as well, back at work. And Cisco has some of the coffee or gets some coffee from the replicator. And then, then he says, O'Brien. And I didn't know if it was, is that still broken? I, 
It is. It's it's like the, it's it is broken, and that's the bookend. That's the bookend. Oh, it starts so like that, and same... it ends like that. It's still broken. Oh. See, that's what was so awesome about this ending scene. It was like, ha ha, It's the same thing that we saw in the beginning. It's still okay. Broken. I don't know why I was like confused. Oh, you thought like... he you thought he was that it was good that he enjoyed it, or I? Well, I, I thought I, he, I if O'Brien was back, and I guess I expected, I assumed that oh, Miles is healthy and everything's working and everything's fixed and there's no more problems happy ending but that's not life no and that's why ds9 is so damn awesome is because it shows it like it is i i feel so there you go did cisco drink a lot of coffee i don't know because i didn't do that many scenes with him and i don't remember because i was thinking about jane he certainly didn't drink tea that's for sure right yeah jane Jane way was coffee yes. black it was a big thing it was a yeah. running thing yes like she couldn't even Jane. talk to the crew until she had her coffee that was so important in her life on our as job. a character yeah as a character, so when yeah. i saw this episode and i saw cisco being so particular about his coffee yeah i was like oh i wonder if that's just a star trek thing we wrote for all the captains yeah where janeway had coffee and picard had tea mm-hmm. if i make the suggestion is that um cisco had a baseball Okay. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah, more. There you go. And that yeah. was his personal That's his, prop. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. All right. Well, great. There you go. That is Babel. Or Babel. Or Babel or Babel, if you live in England. Or parts of Canada, for that matter. <laughs> that was a great episode. I'll tell you my theme first. What I think. I actually have two uh, or lessons. Uh, the first one is how dangers from the past or issues from the past can come back to haunt us if we don't clean up our messes. And that means metaphorically like emotional stuff from the past. If you don't clean it up, those viruses, those things are going to eat away at you until you clean it up. So like the Bajorans didn't clean up that virus. They didn't clean up the, the weapon that they left and it came back to create some problems. I think, you know, clean up your past or it's going to affect your, your present. That's mm. the lesson. Okay. Oh, and I have a second lesson. Mm. My second lesson, I'm going to read it. Wear a mask so you don't spread germs. <laughs> that's my other lesson. What about you, Gary? That's funny. So my lesson is that it's not always smooth sailing. It's mm-hmm. always going to be rough patches that you're going to hit. If something things break, things break, things aren't perfect. Things are not perfect. Yeah. And that this is something the sooner you can acknowledge that, the better off you will be in dealing with life because so many people let that one malfunction or whatever ruin their day and sometimes ruin, ruin their month and sometimes ruin, ruin their yeah. year when they yeah. they turn into a curmudgeon a really really grumpy person right after all these yeah. things that life uh hands them so lemons replicators are, are gonna break yes lemons, airlocks are gonna get stuck you're gonna get lemons just make figure out how to turn it into lemonade that's it yeah you know, it's docking gonna clamps are gonna get yes. stuck and you yes. may have to eject the ship Yes, there you go. So oh, my yeah. lesson, there you go. All right, do you have I a mean, lesson? What about you? Do you have a lesson? I'm, I'm hard pressed to have a lesson uh, per se. Um, for me, it's not so much a lesson, but a stitch of thread in the tapestry of the history of the station. Mm. It is a way of reminding the viewers that this is indeed a once Cardassian station and that they have been through a war with two opposing sides. And um, 
this little device, again, remembering that our show was based on the uh, the, the Serbian war, mm-hmm. um, this is, I, I think I have the right initials, forgive me if I have it wrong. This is an IED yes. um, left behind uh, mm. and, and is causing havoc with the people that are retrieving it. So it's, it's not so much a lesson, but, but rather uh, another stitch in the tapestry of, of the history of the space station. That's very well put. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. That was really fun. Um, and just a reminder, we will have a new episode in two weeks. We're only doing four new episodes a month now. So have a great, great holiday and we'll see you in two weeks. For our Patreon patrons, stick around for your extras and all your bonus material for everyone else. We'll see you for Captive Pursuit. That is an excellent episode. That is oh. an excellent episode. Ooh. Oh, good. I'm just, excited. Yeah, we're getting very excited.